by any means necessary on Radio Sputnik in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sean Blackman, here with Jackie Lukeman. And as always, we are your guide for connecting the political, social, and economic movements shaping the world around us. And today we're talking about a recently released report concerning the Labour Party in the UK. And we're happy to be joined for this conversation today by Asa Winstonley, an investigative journalist and associate editor with the Electronic Intifada. Asa, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you again, Sean. Absolutely. And uh, Asa, Labour Party leader Keir Starmer uh, 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 commissioned a report that has recently been released uh, concerning the issue of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. This is a 138-page report uh, following an independent inquiry by Martin Ford QC. And uh, basically, it sort of seeks to get to the root of a lot of the sort of conflicts and tensions that have been happening in UK labor over the last few years, uh, specifically over the leadership of uh, Jeremy Corbyn and the sort of uh, uh, anti-Semitic smear campaign that was aimed against him that I think had a very deleterious effect both on the UK Labour Party and perhaps politics in the UK in general. And this report says in part, quote, some anti-Corbyn elements of the party seized on anti-Semitism as a way to attack Jeremy Corbyn and his supporters saw it simply as an attack on the leader and his faction with both sides, thus weaponizing the issue and failing to recognize the serious of anti-Semitism. Now, it feels like there's a lot that's bound up in this, uh, uh, Asa. And mm. I, I guess to start, I'm just uh, really I'm wondering, it's, it's a two part question. Number one, I mean, why do you think Keir Starmer would want to commission such a report? Like, what do you think his motivation is? And then as for the report itself, uh, what are your thoughts about its uh, contents? Well, that's a good question, Sean. Um, as to the first one, I think that um, we need to recall the immediate context of why this report was commissioned in 2020. So um, when Keir Starmer took over the Labour Party in uh, April 2020, he, a few days within into his leadership, there was a massive 860-page Labour Party report leaked by... Apparently, I mean, we're not sure exactly who leaked it, but it was certainly written by Labour Party staffers. Um, and it was this massive, sprawling document on the issue of anti-Semitism in, in the Labour Party, alleged anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And this report, the Ford report, in turn, is an investigation into that report and how it was leaked um, and whether the allegations in the report are true. So that's what this report is. a report about of a report, which in turn was also triggered by other reports. You know, over the last seven years, there's been so many reports and investigations into so-called anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. It is getting uh, ridiculous. But uh, so as to why Keir Starmer commissioned this, I think he was really under massive pressure at the time to respond to the allegations in that leaked report. So the leaked report was by staff who were ostensibly sympathetic to Jeremy Corbyn. Um, and now uh, we can maybe get on to the, the problems with their analysis as well, because they really 
um, accepted this whole false idea of there being a unique problem of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Um, so to me, their analysis was deeply flawed. But nonetheless, that document did show some very deep evidence. This is the 860-page document leaked in April 2020. It showed some very convincing evidence that Labour Party staff sabotage Jeremy Corbyn. And these are supposed to be apolitical, so-called um, Labour Party civil servants almost. Um, they're supposed to be apolitical, you know, uh, executors of um, the Labour Party. You know, they're not supposed to take sides politically in factions. But nonetheless, the the, 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 the facts and the documentation, leaked emails and group chats in, in that 860-page leaked report showed just the, the depths of their really savage kind of uh, sabotage, outright sabotage of the Labour Party's election chances under Jeremy Corbyn. And so Keir Starmer was under immense pressure to address that because a lot of these chats showed some really disgusting text messages where they were, you know, calling for left-wing Labour activists to be burnt to death and, you know, really um, deriding left-wing Labour pro-Corbyn uh, Labour MPs in, in uh, you know, racist terms and uh, misogynistic terms. And this was really countered the whole narrative about how, you know, Jeremy Corbyn and support, Jeremy Corbyn supporters were so toxic and so forth. Actually, this document showed evidence that um, it was really the right who were the toxic element. Um, and so this is why uh, Starmer commissioned this, really. It was a way to kind of kick the issue into the long grass. And here we are now, more than two years later. So it's been successful in that regard because he's kind of been able to avoid um, addressing it. And so, you know, two and a half years later, here, here comes the Ford, Ford report. And it um, it does have some substantial findings, uh, but now the problem is now for the Labour Party left and the pro-Corbynites left in the Labour Party, as few as there are now, the problem is Keir Starmer and the right of the Labour Party is really in, uh, you know, really deep, it's really deepened its control. It's in the complete, I mean, it's had a complete victory. The Labour right has now had a complete victory. You know, Corbyn is out as a Labour Party MP. He's no longer a Labour Party MP. And in my view, there's no way he's ever going to be allowed to come back. And so, you know, this, the Ford report, nonetheless, you know, it, I mean, I think it's a deeply flawed document in a lot of ways. You know, it tries to kind of both sides the issue of weaponizing anti-Semitism. But nonetheless, it has some, some significant findings. And I think that quote you mentioned at the, the top of this segment is really the key quote. I mean, there's another one um, on page seven, which is um, pretty much the same thing. It says, it says, it was, of course, also true that some opponents of Jeremy Corbyn saw the issue of anti-Semitism as a means of attacking him. Thus, rather than confront the paramount need to deal with the profoundly serious issue of anti-Semitism in the party, both factions treated it as a factional weapon. Now, I mean, to me, that is, you know, creating this false equivalence, right? How was the Labour Party left treating anti-Semitism as a factional weapon? I mean, that's to me, that's nonsense. None that because, you know, this, it was the Labour Party left that was being attacked for being anti-Semitic when in almost, almost invariably that was just completely untrue. You know, really what was being attacked were criticisms of Israel, criticisms of Zionism and even just criticisms of the Labour Party right. Um, but nonetheless, this report does find it's an official Labour Party uh, commission document. It does find definitively that the Labour Party right 
um, weaponized anti-Semitism. And I think that is a really significant finding. Yeah, even though this report does make that finding and does admit, you know, as we've pointed out, that there were anti-Corbyn elements in the party that did, did seize on anti-Semitism as a way to attack him, the report also kind of came to the conclusion that it was highly unlikely that a parallel campaign run by the very same anti-Corbyn staff in 2017 cost the party the election. And I don't, I don't get that conclusion that this report mm. uh, reflects when they also admit that there really was an anti-Corbyn campaign or element, as as the report states, in the party that did attack Jeremy Corbyn uh, during the 2017 uh, campaign and after. How how do you think and why do you think that conclusion is drawn in this report, even amidst the admission that there was an anti-Corbin campaign that did indeed attack him using anti-Semitic, made up anti-Semitic issue. Yeah, I mean, I think it, th this whole thing smacks of, of a very typical sort of uh, Labour Party, both sides fudge. And actually, it's a, it's a very kind of British tradition, right, of these sort of uh, quote unquote investigations and white papers and all these kind of uh, this kind of political theater where they're trying to make out that you know oh well yes we're going to have a, a investigation or you know uh, a royal commission and all these kind of things it's, it's within that kind of um, tradition of really British imperialism uh, whereby they try and make themselves look like sensible apolitical uh, adults in the room while you know actually advancing a very um, definite political agenda and the politi political agenda that I detect in the Ford report is to is they're trying to the, the Ford is trying to although he does have some serious findings I think his conclusions are, are as you mentioned Jackie are really at odds with the the uh, with the evidence you know his his summary and conclusions are often at odds with the evidence so he keeps evincing all this evidence of how um, the right was really attacking the left in what he calls unacceptable ways um, but then he says oh but that you know i'm sure the left reciprocated and there's not it, the the balance of evidence doesn't really support that conclusion but what he's trying to do in my view is um, sure up Keir Starmer because Keir, this 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 is kind of um, advantageous to Keir Starmer because he is going to be able to say, well, you know, we had these problems in the past with anti-Semitism and with factionalism. You know, this is a another recurring theme in the, in the Ford report where he says, oh, you know, there's this unacceptable factionalism on both sides, and you know, we need to move beyond that. And so Starmer's going to be able to say, you know, this is a new era, and the the uh, under me, and I, and now I'm in control, and we can um, kind of move past that era. So I think that's what we're going to be seeing in the months ahead. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I do think there are some really serious facts in this that um, they're not going to be able to fully sweep under the carpet. Yeah. And, you know, that being the case, Asa, because you talk about sort of the, the state that this uh, uh, leaves the, the Labor Party in and the path that Keir Starmer likely will take. But I'm wondering how you see this sort of reflected in the Labor Party's standing in uh, UK politics 
at this point, uh, particularly with all of the, I mean, upheaval that's been happening in the government lately uh, with uh, Boris Johnson and others uh, stepping down from office and things like that. I mean, how do you see a a Labour Party sort of uh, maneuvering and operating in a moment like this in British politics, given that it's sort of clearly still uh, dealing with the ripple effects from its own sort of internal conflicts? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem that Keir Starmer faces is he is unable to have any kind of distinct political project. He is really a blank slate, really, for, to, in my view, for the British deep state. He really has no convincing uh, political agenda. He doesn't pronounce any positive alternative to the Tory government, whereas Jeremy Corbyn, whatever people thought of him, he put forward a positive and hopeful vision for the future, whereas um, Keir Starmer's, all he's relying on is basically being able to say, well, we're not as bad as the other guys. You know, this is part of the toxic British political culture of constantly chasing after the US political system, right? So the Labour Party establishment is really trying to um, ape the the Democratic Party. You know, they're trying to do what they're trying to do what Joe Biden did, where basically they were saying, let's have a return to normality after the Trump years. Um, They're trying to do that as well. They're trying to say, well, let's go back to normality, quote unquote. But the problem they're going to face in the polls and in elections, uh, in general elections, uh, will be, and what we've seen some early indications of this in the local elections and by-elections is, it's going to be hard for the the uh, right wing Labour Party under Keir Starmer to motivate its base, its um, its base of voters to come out to vote and to make a difference in these elections when they have no concrete political vision on alternative to the Tories to offer uh, to the Tories to offer to the general election to the working classes. You know, this is a party, the Labour Party under Keir Starmer is a party that calls itself the Labour Party, right? It's supposed to be the working class party. It's supposed to be the party of the labourers, right? The name is in the description. But in fact, as we've seen in recent months, it can't even take the side of the workers in the most important um, trade union dispute that there's been in many years with the rail workers, the RMT, um, the, the rail workers are have been on strike in recent months to for basic um, conditions. It's not so much about pay, but it's about conditions and safety. Um, and, you know, there's a, you know, with rising inflation and cost of living, um, people in this country are facing real hardship. And the Labour Party under Keir Starmer has got nothing to offer them. You know, it doesn't have any kind of alternative. All it's, all it's able to say is, well, you know, we're not quite as bad as them. Um, and it, it has these kind of technocratic non-solutions that it's offering to people. So I think that um, that what they're doing is really underestimating the Conservative Party's ability to kind of reinvent itself and, and um, uh, you know, modify its offer to the electorate, which, you know, if, if we see uh, Rishi Sunak become the next prime minister, um, you know, I, I think they will be able to say, well, we have actually changed since Boris Johnson. Um, and either way, I mean, whoever becomes the next prime minister, I think that um, the Labour Party is going to find it difficult for itself going forward. And it 
it's ultimately going to face the same kind of political oblivion that we've seen in social democratic parties all over Western Europe. You know, you know, in in France, the socialists are all but dead. Um, the socialists because they became neoliberal, um, and we're, we're going to see. I mean, for a long time, we've, for years, Jeremy Corbyn supporters were saying the Labour Party, if it's not going to be a Corbynite party, is going to be PASOK, the Greek. Um, Social Democratic Party who faced electoral oblivion because of their embrace of neoliberalism uh, as forced by the EU. So, I mean, I think the Labour Party is now ultimately, whether it's in the short term, medium term or the long term, is facing um, oblivion, really. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that seems to be the case. Well, we thank you so much, Asa, for joining us today. We're going to leave it there and move to a break here on By Any Means Necessary on Radio Sputnik in Washington, D.C. We'll be right back. So please stay with us. By Any Means Necessary. 